Let us begin a session of talking on the twelve links of dependent origination. Many people ask a question: Where do we come from? How come we get born into this world? How come we become what we are today? Uh, all these questions, you can find your answers in here. Uh, the twelve links of dependent origination explain life and death, explain reincarnation, transmigration. But these are only the keywords to the philosophy, the keywords to the truth. So you really have to understand uh, in detail as to what it means. In learning um, the Buddhist philosophy, we need to memorize the keywords because you need to meditate on it. Not just not just like a book. After you read it, you put it aside. You may forget about it. No, you have, really have to to get the keywords in your mind so that you have to meditate on it. Um, there were two kinds, or actually there are two kinds of practitioners of the Buddhist teaching. Two kinds of um, practitioners. One, uh, the Stravaka. Stravaka means they were born in the time of the Buddha, so they have the Buddha as the teacher, as the guru. They can actually listen to the Buddha's teaching, the Stravaka. And also they can read, like when, when we are practicing the Buddhist religion, the, the Buddhist teaching, we are like the Stravakas, uh, on our road to the Stravakas, because we can listen, we can read, we have words, we have language. But there are another kind of practitioners who do not have that opportunity. They were born in the time where the, the Buddha was already passed, already passed away, or they were born in the time that there's actually no Buddhist teaching in this world. Nothing like that. Uh, so they are the Pratyaka practitioners, which means that they have nothing to depend on, so they meditate on, on what they observed. They observed uh, summer, spring, winter, autumn, then they know the impermanence of the world. In the springtime, the flowers come out, and then slowly the flowers wither away and go into autumn, and autumn goes into winter, and winter goes into snowing, and then everything has a cycle. They meditate on nature. They don't have the Buddhist teaching to depend on. They meditate on nature. They may meditate on even a bird. Oh, a bird comes now, and what makes up of this bird? Where this bird comes from? The bird can sing, sing the spring, and how come in the wintertime the bird is not singing? So they always observe nature, and they meditate on the impermanence of it. They observe the world, and they, and they meditate on the sufferings of it. They meditate on, on, on people, and they observe the catastrophes, uh, wars inflict on each other inequalities. They observe these things, and they are called the Pratyaka, 
practitioners and they, if they become enlightened, they become the Pratyeka Buddha. The Sravakas also become the Buddha when they get enlightened, fully enlightened, what I mean. So this is Paticca Samupata, is dependent origination. This is what the Pratyaka Buddha's uh, basis of practice. It's just that when we chant Om Mani Padme Hum, these are just the keywords. You still remember what it means? What Om Mani Padme Hum means? Those who don't know what Om Mani Padme Hum means, raise your hands. So we have one, two, don't be shy, just raise your hand. Honesty is the best policy. Nobody knows everything. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. So there's quite a many people who do not know Om Mani Padme Hum. Well, maybe sometime we will have to explain it. Now we concentrate on Paticca uh, Samupatta. <laughs> you want to know it now? You're so eager that you want to know it now? You want to know it now? Raise your hands. <laughs> so then I have to stop here. Maybe it's worth because it's worth stopping here because you've just chanted it and you don't know what it means. What does Om Mani Padme Hum mean? Those who understand, those who know already, you have to tolerate it. That's endurance. That is one of the that is one of the six parameters. You know about it, but it's a good reminder. Om, Om Mani Padme Hum. What does Om means? Om, according to the mystery of sound, is the origin of sound. Om, Ah, Om, is the origin of all sound. Uh, om is the mother of all sound. It produces all sounds. So some lamas and rinpoches, they just chant on Om Ah Om, Om Ah Om, origin of sound. It's also the origin, according to, according to some sutras, the origins of all good deeds. It also means arousing your awareness to listen to the sound. So when, when you chant Om, it can actually means listen very carefully. Om means listen very carefully and listen with the true mind. Listen with your sincerity. Listen with your humbleness. Om, what do you mean by Om? I don't like this Om. There's no humbleness. Om is just a creation. It's just O-M. Everybody know about it. I can Google into it. Well, that is without humbleness. So open your mind. If you fill up your cup with water, no more water can get in. Empty your cup of, empty your cup of stubbornness. Empty your cup of self-view so that you can receive more. So Om is it means something. Listen very carefully. Om means listen. Mani, M-A-N-I, Mani. Om Mani Padme Hum is a Sanskrit language. And this is Pali. Pali and Sanskrit, they are very close. 
they're very close, almost have a lot of similarities. Om Mani, M-A-N-I, Mani. What does Mani mean? Mani means diamond, the most precious, precious jewel. Uh, the most precious jewel that you cannot, you get, cannot compare to anything, but how do, you, how do you get that most precious description? We just use the word Mani, the most precious and that most precious, the most precious one, or some, somebody called it God, the utmost, the topmost, the most precious, the most tranquility, the most happiness, the most eternity. And you just use that word Matni, or the God, the hidden God, the within God, Matni, the most precious. And that most precious is not some, something that you're looking for. It's, you don't need to look for it. There's nowhere to be found. You can't look for it. It's right within you. It's inside of you. But you just let it go unnoticed. You don't notice it. It's in you. It's that understanding in you. Is that misunderstanding in you? Is that ego attitude in you? Is that altruistic attitude in you? That changeability in you? That unchangeability in you? It's all there. Let's find it out more. Martin, listen very carefully. You've got that nature in you. When that nature is confused, your ascension being. When that nature is all enlightened, reveal a full revelation, you are the God. You are the Buddha. So God and Buddha is in you. Don't look for it outside. It's not the wood statue. It's just a representation. It's right in you. You've got to know it. You've got to recognize it. And you've got to recognize it with humbleness, with understanding. Clear yourself of all ignorance, then you know it. But if you all cover up with emotions, passions, greediness, hatred, disappointment, fear, depression, you lose it. So Matni, that Buddha nature in you, you have that Buddha nature. You, you are the God. You are also the follower. There's no such thing as a, a, a God and a follower, the God and the sons. The son and the God is one. If there's a difference, there's a discrimination, it's not it. It's impure. When the discrimination is all fused into equality and one bright illumination, that's God. When you have that God and believer concept, it's not it. When you have that I am God, it's not it. So I don't know what to say. I don't know. So that Matni, Om, Matni, Om, listen very carefully. That 
something in you, that mystery in you. If we don't have a word, we can't express it. So we use money. Padme, Om Mani Padme Hum. P-A-D-M-E, if you pronounce it right, is Padme. So we have Om Mani Padme. Padme, if you really want to understand Mani, then you have to Padme. You have to take action. You can't just sit there and say, where's my Mani? You have to take action. How do you take that action to find that Martini? You have to put on your knapsacks and take out your map and get everything ready and get onto the road of enlightenment. You can't just sit there and I've got, I got that Martini, I got that Martini. No. You've got to practice it. It's like the two wings of a bird. You have to the truth, the philosophy, the theory, you need to practice to get it out. You need to practice to fly. You need the two wings to fly like a bird. A bird has one wing, it can never fly. So what is that part me? In here, we can only use descriptions. Matni is also a description. It's a noun for precious jewel. Padme is only a description. What is a word? This morning, Lee started his introduction by saying, a thought, a thought starts from a word. I can also say, a word starts from a thought. If a thought starts a word, what does that word come from? Is it the thought first or the word first? We always want to look for the beginning. What's the beginning? We always want to, to we, we always think that there's a beginning. We always think that a chicken gives rise to the egg. And then we say, where does the, the chicken come from? The chicken or egg? Egg comes first or the chicken comes first? We're always hung up with that kind of uh, dichotomy of contradiction. And we forgot about the practice. To resolve that contradiction, you need to practice to find out. You just don't sit there and read a book, and then you find out the answer. You've got to walk. So what is this Padme? This path, this, this practice. Padme means lotus flower. This lotus flower, we got lotus flowers. When you, when you walk into that wooden door uh, in the garden, we have a few pots of flowers. We don't just put there for nothing. We put there to enlighten you, and you don't realize it. You just walk by and say, oh, it's beautiful, and then you walk by. <laughs> Everything has a meaning, you know. We don't do anything without meaning. It's just like I always told you, it's not a joke. Why do we have so many doors in here? One, two, three, four, five, six doors. What do we do usually in the first in the morning? We said we we'll give you a garbage bag, 
put all your mental afflictions, your garbage, your mental garbage in that bag, and you float it out that door. And since there were so many people, we need so many doors for you to float out. <laughs> so these doors are designed for flowing out garbages. They don't, they don't sit, they don't, well, we don't build them for nothing. So getting back to, to the lotus. Lotus. How do we observe a lotus? A lotus grown from the mud. The mud symbolizes the world, the world of suffering, the world of confusion. But when, a, when the lotus comes out, it's not attached to the mud, it's detached. It's aloof of the suffering. It's beyond, beyond suffering, beyond life and death, beyond confusion, beyond ignorance, beyond killing, lying, sexual misconduct, cursing, slandering, beyond all these things. It's beyond the purity, the purity of the lotus. It's the purity of the lotus. That martini, if it's in the mud, that precious jewel, if it is in the mud, is not pure. You've got to make it pure. Like a lotus, you have to grow out from it, grow beyond it. Then you, you, then you find that purity. How do we do that? How do we grow out of the mud and, and attain that purity like a lotus flower? Where do we get the impurities from? Where do we get the impurities from? The impurities is from our six senses attached to the six phenomena. So our impurities come from the eyes seeing something we like, something lovable, and we love it, and we cherish it, and we attach to it. Our ears attach to sound. We like pleasant sound, pleasant music, and we hate criticism. We don't like cursing sound. We just like praise. So the ears attach to another phenomena, the sound. So eyes to matter, eyes to all kinds of things. Nose attached to frequency. Tongue attached to taste. And all your senses work that way. So all our senses are being attracted by all, everything. And in the process of attaching, mental afflictions come out. Like sexual misconduct, killing, lying, cursing. For that reason, anger. You name them. All these things come out. It's because of the, our raw attachment of the senses to all matters, all sound, all affairs, everything in the world. Be like a lotus. Don't attach to it. Purify your senses. Purify your eyes, your nose, your ears, your tongue, your, your touch. And purify it finally your mentality, your mind. Purify the mind. 
Nothing is purified unless your mind is purified. Nothing is pure unless your mind is pure. The society cannot be pure unless every citizen becomes pure. And it's very impossible in these days because everybody comes here with the karma. Why do we come to this world? Have we analyzed the world? The universe, the karmic world, the karmic worlds have three, three uh, strata. The world of desires, the world without desires, but we just form the world without forms and without desires. And we are living in the world of desire. Why? Because when we come with the karma, our karma, our alaya consciousness, contain that, those seeds of desires. Desires for food, desires for sleep, desires for, for sex. And we think that that's natural. We always think that, well, that's human nature. We need that. We need to kill animals for food. We need sexual relationship. We need, we thought that's what we need. That's taken for granted. But actually it's not. You just contain those seeds in your consciousness. You roll into this reincarnation with the karmic energy and you can contain those seeds. And in this life, you encounter all phenomena and the seeds become agitated and you carry out the volitional actions because of the seed, because of all this environment. And then you get rolled into transmigration again and again, like in a reincarnation. So the Buddha said, involvement with sex is the basis of reincarnation. But all sentient beings take that as fun, take that as something that is, that is natural. It's not natural. In other words, we always take selfishness as natural. We always take ego. Being egoistic is very important. I am the best. I've got to struggle. This is my right. Always take your ego into consideration and you think that as natural. Throw away that ego. We can never get out from the mud if we don't let go of that, if we don't come out of it. If we don't come out of killing, lying, sexual misconduct, greediness, hatred, violence, we always be with the mud. So if you come out of that, you become purer and purer more pure and more pure. And gradually, you get into complete purity. Absolutely complete purity, one purity. And that's what we call God. And that's what we call Buddha. And that's what we call enlightenment. And that's what we call Anutra Samya Samputti. It does not matter how you call it. Does it matter how you call it? It's just a word. But some people attach to words. They like to call it God and nothing else. That's another attachment. You attach to God. You attach to religion. No religion. Remember that, that song? Imagine there's no religion. It has a meaning in it. You don't need religion. Do you need religion? You need religion, but you don't need the attachment to that word. You need it and you don't need it. 
how do we partner in order to get the money? You have to put your senses under your control. You are the you 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 are the boss of that company that you keep. This is your company. This body is your company. And you got salesmen. This salesman are always attaching to the outside. You need to put your salesman under control. Your front end people, your front end senses, you need to put them under control. You gotta manage them. That manager also has a board of director. And that board of director, that board of director, they don't show, they don't show up all the time. That board of directors is hidden. And that's your consciousness. Can you see consciousness? You can see it, but it works all the time. The board of directors is always watching this guy called a manager and say, you got to do a good job. And that job is to make profit for the company. I don't care what you do, you make profit for me. Your consciousness is tainted, polluted, like that board of directors who is only profit making. He's not charitable. He's for himself. Like our consciousness is for ourselves. Clean up that board of directors. Make it non-selfish. But it could be the manager's job too, if the manager is creative, to clean up the board of directors by educating the board of directors. Look, we've got to be altruistic. We gotta be, we can't be too selfish. So you are the manager. You can change the board of directors in you. You change the consciousness in you. You gotta put all your salesmen under control. Don't let your senses go out far and wide. Put them under control. How? How do you put them under control? A lot of work has to be applied to it. During the seven days retreat I just finished, I talked on one subject for seven days, just one subject. Contemplation of the body. Contemplation of the body as impure, that is to combat, combat what? Combat sexual thought in you. This sense, this thought is very difficult to subdue because that is in your consciousness for millions of years reincarnating, you always carry that and you thought that as nature in you that you need. And now the Buddha said no, control that, throw it away, you don't need that. Now how do you do it? You need, the Buddha taught us how to apply the thought of impurity in order to combat that arising thought in you. And I show a lot of pictures and just give you an example. It's not easy to control your senses. You gotta have some techniques to control your senses. The thought of impurities. So when a man looks at a, or when a woman looks at a, a, a handsome man, or when a, when a man looks at a beautiful woman, something comes out in the mind. How do you control it? 
Why it comes out? Because you've got that seeds in you. For many, many reincarnations, for many, many lives, you've got that seeds in you. They are agitated and waiting to, to carry into volitional actions. When the action is carried out, it goes back to fumigate that seed again and carry on and carry on, one fumigate the other. The action fumigate the seed, the seed carry out the action, and it all works in a cycle, unending life and death, unending cycle. So, part may, control of the senses. So, just these few words, we need to talk a lot about it. It's the whole Buddhism. How to control your eyes, the ears, the nose. Every one of these need a lecture, at least one lecture, a three-hour lecture. And you expect to know everything in half an hour? No, you just know the main points. Just the main points. First, you've got to control your senses. And of course, you still have to change the attitude of your board of directors, purify your board, and that's the second stage. If you can't even control the salesman, how can you control your, how can you purify your board of directors? They're higher than you. And the Buddha said, the first action to purify yourself is to take the precepts and confirm to conform to the precepts. Abstain from killing, abstain from lying, abstain from sexual misconduct, abstain from cursing, abstain from flowery language, abstain from double-tonguing, abstain from greediness, abstain from ignorance, abstain from hatred. Learning all these things, getting away from, from those, that's the beginning of sense of control of your senses. Not to mention about any, any um, high-level philosophy of the Buddhist teaching. Can you conform? Can you observe these precepts? If you can't even do that crude understanding, uh, there's crude and refined thought. If a crude thought comes out, it could carry out all these volitional, bad volitional actions. You, this, this vinaya, this precept, are to control the crude thoughts, the crude actions, the volitional actions. But there are also other methods to purify the board of directors, and you need fine, refined techniques. And it's all in the Buddha's teaching. I didn't create all these. It's the Buddha's teaching. But how many people really know about the Buddhist teaching and how many people are really interested in it? What are they interested in? Profit-making, pursuit of material wants, needs. All they do is pursuit of materialism. So, Om Mani Padme, be like a lotus. Home, what is home? Like a home run? Home. Home, home means the planting of a Buddhist seat in your consciousness. Every time when you chant Om Mani Padme, that means, listen, I, got, I have that Buddha nature in me. I got to practice 
purity to get the Buddha nature. You're reminding yourself every time we are chanting this. And then home, that means a seed is planted in your alaya consciousness. In every thought has energy, every word has energy. You keep on planting seeds in your field of energy. It's just like when the salesman says, I want to be a good salesman. Every day is repeating, I want to be a good salesman. I want to sell so many cars per day. I want to sell so many houses per day. Repeating and repeating and re repeating, he's reinforcing himself on what he has to do. So, Om Mani Padme Hum, that means you're reinforcing yourself that you have to purify, you will have to control all your salesmen, you have to purify your board of directors. Home is a Buddhist seed is planted in your alaya consciousness. When a seed is planted, it won't go away. When you key into that keyboard in your computer, it won't get to go away. That is in there. That is in the disk drive. It won't get forgotten. It's registered in there. If you keep on registering, you keep on reinforcing yourself, you will carry it into action. On the other hand, if you keep on saying, I want to hurt that guy. Or some people say, I want to kill that guy. If you're repeating and repeating and repeating, psychologically, you will carry it out. Everything comes from a thought. So if you're keeping, Om Mani Padme Hum, Om Mani Padme Hum, you have nothing but thought of going towards purity, thought of going towards enlightenment, thought of benefiting the whole world. That Om Mani Padme Hum is not just for yourself, you know. If just for yourself, it's Hinayana. It's for the whole world. You want to purify everybody. You want everybody to be purified. Not just for your own sake. For everybody. You want everybody to become the Buddha. You don't want anybody to get hurt. Not just for yourself. You will say, Oh, Mani Padme Home, I am purifying myself. I am going to be the Buddha. We want everybody to become a Buddha. That's called Buddhist teaching. The Buddhist teaching starts from others, not self. Because if you start from self, it's contradicting yourself. It's ego. I want to enlighten myself. When I'm enlightened, I will be the Buddha. Then I can shine the whole world. I'm the God. Isn't that egoism? When you come to that level, there's no ego left. 